Hi, I'm Pastor Daniel, and you're listening to our Jubilee online campus. And I want to be the first one to welcome you and say thank you so much for coming and checking us out. This week, we have Pastor John talking about faith. We've all had those times in our life where we've questioned our faith about God, and Pastor John is going to help us fix that issue. If you like what you get out of at Jubilee Online, help us by supporting us. You have three ways to give online. You can go to jfc.org, you can download our Jubilee mobile app, or you can do our text to give. Thank you, and enjoy the weekend. You know, when I, that last part right there, um, you're never going to let, you're never going to let me down. You know, in, in a way, um, your faith is challenged when you sing that. Because you can look back and think God has always been faithful. And right now you know he's going to be faithful. But it almost is an act of faith to say, always. Yeah. And regardless of, he'll be faithful. And the enemy wants to challenge that ground. And it's almost a declaration that we just have to set our faith and say, he will always be faithful. And so rather than that be a hindrance to us or like, well, I hope that's true. Let's just speak out right now. We know you will always be faithful. You'll always be faithful. And God, I worship you for your faithfulness, for your goodness and your glory. God, for how you constantly, you never run out of faithfulness. We might use up what we need that day, but when we wake up, it's refilled. And it'll go all of our lives and all in eternity. And thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, keep that in your hearts. And we can worship him. Go ahead. And you can take a seat. Uh, with that, glad that you're here. Uh, if you grab the notes that Joanna had talked about and at uh, Parker that they'll be using this weekend, you can find the message that I'll be teaching. Uh, it's on the other side uh, of the notes. I was going to say the back side, but I actually am on the front side in the... Other things are on the back side. Yeah, there you go. Um, hey, the only announcement that I have, and I'll jump right into the teaching, uh, is just simply this. We have six spots left for Israel. That's how quick it has gone this time. And so just want to throw out, if you have a heart to go, and if you're on the fence right now, like, should I go? Like, yes, let me just answer that question for you. You will love it. It is totally... Um, you will not come back from it and go, ah, that was, I'm, on the, I'm on the fence about it, or I'm not quite sure. You will come back and be the thing that helps me with all the trips in the future. It's the people who go that come back and by word of mouth just talk about what God did in their lives. And so I just wanted to encourage, maybe, you know, maybe you're a family and you're thinking about going. I totally would encourage you to do that. I took all of my children. We're now making our way through taking... Uh, one of the grandkids go each time, and uh, so one of my granddaughters is going this time, and I would just throw that out to you. If you have a heart to go, and you're in a position to be able to do it, it's November 6th through the 16th, uh, 2019, and we'd love for you to go if you want more information, jfc.org slash Israel, or out in the foyer at both of our campuses, you'll find a brochure on it, and if you have any questions, please let us know. Okay, let's, uh, let's jump into this. Last weekend uh, was Snowmageddon. How many of you remember... <laughs> Uh, what happened last weekend, and it seems to me, uh, probably it's the, it's the pastor part. I know that um, it's good to have the snow. After the last several years, it's great to have the snow, but it feels like, I know it's not true, but it feels like it's happening uh, at 3.30 on a Saturday or at 5 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday and messing with the weekend. And last weekend, you know, if you... Um, uh, if, if, you, if you weren't here, you couldn't be, or just didn't want to drive in it, or maybe you were traveling, you know, it was one of those storms where they talked about it. It's either going to be a quarter of an inch or 10 feet, somewhere <laughs> between those two places. So, and it was, it just, I think it scared a lot of people. And, you know, um, anyway, I had a guest speaker last week, so of course we get a storm like that. And if you did not hear Ethan Matat, he used to be on staff with us served in our missions department. He planted a church, he and a couple of friends from Red Rocks here in Denver, planted a church in Austin, Texas, and it is just, it is just going gangbusters down there. And he's a great teacher. Uh, he's a young man that we, we heavily have invested in. Having him come back and share, it was so timely. The word was just, it was a word that spoke to my heart, and I'm going to tell you what happened in it, but I want to, I'm not overbuilding it right now. I'm trying to get you to have an appetite for it, because if you haven't heard it, go home and listen to it. 
Everything that we have, all that we teach is archived. It's free. You can listen to it. You can give it away. Tell people about it. He did such a fantastic job with the message, man. It was just so great. And he just, the premise of the message was living your life closed-handed and holding on and being afraid of everything or living your life like this. And it's really your perception of how you see God treating you that causes you either to go like this or to go like this. And he used the parable uh, of the servants who were given the talents. There were three of them. It's always the third one who didn't do anything with it that we end up talking about. But the majority, the two that were given the talents first, did something terrific and got a return on it. And we never talk about how they got a return. And they perceived God was going like this. It was the third guy who perceived God was going like this. And it made him afraid to try and to risk and to step out and to do something great for God. And his message just while he was teaching it, it was one of those ones, I hope this happens for you when, when we're teaching from here. But when, when God is speaking something, it's not just, you're not just learning something, it's doing something in your heart at the same time. So for me, the way that I know God is on it, it's like I will hear three or four messages at the same time that I can teach from a message like that. But while I was sitting there, so my, my place normally in our sanctuary at Lone Tree your left, my right, right over there in that front row, it's the easiest way to come up on the platform. So I sit right there. And while I was sitting there and he's teaching, I felt the Lord speak to me. And that's what I wanted to talk about this weekend. We're going to start a new series next week. We were going to begin it this weekend. Uh, I think it's a, it's a series that you will really enjoy. You will get a lot out of it. But I really felt like the Lord interrupted what we were planning in order to do this right here. So I just want to encourage you, if you didn't hear his message, listen to it. It's on our archive. While listening to the message, I really felt that God spoke to my heart. And this is what I heard. So just check this out real quick. I felt like the Lord, while he was teaching, while I was listening, I felt like the Lord said, give him your offering. So my first thought was, we are giving him an offering. You hear the difference between those two things? And I felt like the Lord, just real quick again, it's like, John, give him, give him the offering. And so then I thought, well, that can't be God. So my next words were, get thee behind me. Because the devil's always trying to encourage us to do things in the kingdom of God, right? Do you get what I'm saying? So I knew, now look, I don't know how this works for you, and I won't presume um, to put how it works for me into your life, but this was literally how it was. This was not a conversation that drug out for five minutes. It literally happened in microseconds. I knew that the Lord was downloading something. It was a challenge to me. Uh, It was a place of faith that I had never gone into. Over the years, in 21 years, uh, this church has given away literally millions of dollars. And that is, I, 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 I'm not saying it like trying to brag. That, I hope that doesn't come across as hubris. That's not how I mean it. But God has used us. And I've gotten to the place where, where sowing into another a person's ministry, ten dollars or $20,000, doesn't challenge me uh, to do that. I've given away tons of, th- for those that have been here any length of time, I had a, this beautiful Harley, that was a very limited edition that, that, uh, that I had. And I felt the Lord challenged me one time to, to put it up in an auction and to give all the money to an orphanage in, in Lima. And it was, the church caught it. We raised $50,000 for a motorcycle that maybe was worth somewhere between fifteen and 18000 The person who won it, it was like a, you know, a lottery thing. The person who won it, they so much got what we were doing, they turned around and gave it right back to the church to do it again. And we ended up in a roundabout way. We raised, um, I think it was about 75,000, maybe a little bit more than that, that we ended up sowing. I've seen God do things like that. At that level, that was a big thing for me to do. But, you know, after, it's like anything. After you do something for a while, you get used to that level, Right. And so all of a sudden, the whole idea of going like, like way beyond that challenged me and choked me. And I find myself arguing, like, God, this isn't a good time for us to do this. How many of you know that God doesn't ever seem to be bothered by those things at that, at that point? And while I'm sitting there listening to this and I'm going through this, so by the way, so let me just say this, I'm not raising any more money for it. This isn't about trying to get an offering from you. So I don't want you to defend your heart against what I'm about to say, but it very much is about breakthrough. That's the name of this message. I called it arrows, and I'll tell you why here in just a second. But I don't want you to have your defenses up in your mind thinking 
Is he coming about this to get something from me? What I'll tell you when we get to the end of the message, what we're going to do for them, uh, you've already done. How about this? I'll give away part of it. It was probably the lowest attendance that we've had uh, maybe in the last, I want to make sure I'm, in the last six months? At, at least the last six months, but it was the highest offering we've had this year. Now, I didn't know that when God said, give it away. <laughs> Is that fair to say? So I don't want you to get, yeah, are you excited to know how much? Yeah, I'll get there, bro. I'll, I'll, I'll get there. All right. So I just, I, I don't need to raise any more for it. The, the amount will be awesome, and we'll cheer and praise the Lord here in a few minutes. But I just want you to know I'm not... I'm not trying to twist you right now to get something from you, but there is something in the nature of breakthrough that God did with me that I know this. So goes the leadership, so goes the church. And if God could do it with me and do this great thing in my heart to challenge me and to bring back that faith to trust him in bigger things, it's a breakthrough issue and he wants to do it in your life. And so rather than defend yourself about the idea of like, you know, what, where's pastor going with, just be open to breakthrough. I'm going for breakthrough. I'm giving you the message. I want breakthrough in your life like I want it in mine. So while I'm sitting there and I'm just talking to the Lord, this very obscure scripture uh, enters into my heart. I knew exactly what God was saying with it. And I just, so I, I just want to teach you. It's from 2 Kings chapter 13, 14 through 19. You may have never read this, or if you did, you may not even remember it. It's just such an obscure story. It has to do with Elisha, uh, the, the last truly major prophet in the Old Testament. Major, major, major. And it has to do with a king named Joash. And the story, it's a, it's a quick story, five verses. It just goes like this. Uh, when, when Elisha was in his last illness, in other words, when he's on his deathbed, this is his, this is his swan song, the last thing he's going to do before he passes into eternity. Jehoash, uh, the king of Israel, visited him, wept over him because he saw the position that he was in. My father, my father, the king said, I see the chariots and the charioteers of Israel, he cried out loud. Elisha told him, get a bow and some arrows. And the king did as he was told. Elijah told him, put your hand on the bow. And Elisha laid his own hands on the king's hand. So you get the picture? He told the king to get his bow. The, Israel's being surrounded right now by an alien invading army. The king realizes we cannot defeat this army. And if God doesn't give us a miracle, we're going to be destroyed right now. So he goes to Elijah to ask Elisha for a miracle. Elisha, as is often the case in the Old Testament, there's usually some type of an illustration that goes with what's about to happen. Does that make sense? God will use a, a story. So he tells the king, get your bow. And Elisha then puts his hand, as the king's holding the bow and draws it back, Elisha puts his hands on the king's hands. So then he commanded, open the eastern window, and he opened it. Then he said, shoot. So he shot an arrow, and Elisha proclaimed as the king shot the arrow, this is the Lord's arrow, an arrow of victory over Aram, for you will completely conquer the Arameans at Aphek. Now let me just stop before we go. If you got a word like that from God about something that you're praying for and something that is so major that you're going to be destroyed if God doesn't come, how many of you would rejoice if God showed up and said, okay, I'll do it? You, would it cause faith to happen inside of you, or would you just be sort of like, eh, eh, thanks. Can I just tell you, God does not like, yeah. That is not faith. That is not the position of like, God, thank you for what you've done. And that's important because the next part of the story is very confusing. It looks, it looks like God is arbitrary. Or that God is, this is when people say the God of the Old Testament is not the same God in the New Testament. He was mean in the Old Testament. He became nice. It's because it's, it's a lack of understanding. It's not that God is different. It's a lack of understanding. Uh, so then he said, uh, pick up the other arrows. So the other that he had in his quiver. Pick up the other arrows and strike them against the ground. Literally, it means to shoot them into the ground, but let's just use the word strike right here, okay? Either way. So here's, here's what I have. These are arrows. Now, they're not Israeli. They're from Walmart. No, they're from Cabela's. Yeah, Cabela's. Ooh, ooh, I feel more of a man after being there. This, yeah, so the, these are from Cabela's. So just to give you a picture, now pick up the other arrows, strike them against the ground. It literally means to shoot them into the ground. But it's, it's a point of illustration. It's an act of faith. 
And Elisha is waiting to see what the king does with the word that he's been given. And if you had been given a word where God said, you bet I'll bless you, you bet I'll take care of you, you bet the answer to this is yet, he's now looking for what that does inside the king's heart. So there's a challenge that's put forth here. How about this? I've said this over and over. God is not looking for you to sit back and watch him. He's looking for partners in the harvest. You play a part in what God wants to do in your life and in this world. And if it's not true, then why does Jesus tell us to pray for God's kingdom to come? Why don't we just sit back and watch God's kingdom to come? Right? We, we play a part. In, he wants partners in the harvest. So this, is, this demonstration, this, this object lesson, this place of faith uh, is being given by Elisha, but on behalf of God to see where the king's faith is at. Uh, uh, go back. just a, you, you, you went a little, So then he said, now pick up the other arrows, strike them against the ground. So the king picked them up and struck the ground how many times? Three. Three times. Watch this. But the man of God was angry with him. Some translations say livid, furious. It makes God look arbitrary, doesn't it? It makes Elisha look unstable or angry. Like there's some sort of, why would he change? I mean, he did, the king did exactly what he was told to do. God is not into the minimum. If he is a God worth serving, then he's worth all you got. Not the minimum you can put forth. He's never about the letter of the law. He's always about the spirit of what's going on inside of you. The king had more than three arrows. At a minimum, at a minimum, he had seven. He shot one, that left six. Maybe five because of how this reads. But either way, the man of God was angry with him. You should have struck or shot the ground five or six times, he exclaimed. And then look at this part right here. Then you would have beaten Aram until it was entirely destroyed. Now you will be victorious, but only... So here's what he's telling them. You're going to win three battles, but you're going to lose the war. And the devil is okay with you winning a couple of battles, but he contests you if you're going to win the war. And we sit back and we just think, if God said it, it's automatic, but you play a part in it. And the lack on this king's part, the reason this seems arbitrary and the reason this seems almost unfair, it's not because God was being arbitrary or playing games or a, a carrot and a stick. God is waiting to see what his action is. And a person who's full of faith, if he was told to shoot his arrows, he would have grabbed everyone and keep shooting until he's out. And if you like the word strike, then he would have kept striking as many times as is necessary. But he did it three times like he fulfilled the letter of the law, but it actually revealed where his heart was, and his heart was not a place of faith. Do you see that? Because when you read it, it looks arbitrary, and it looks upside down, but if you go a little bit deeper and you understand, God is looking for his position of faith, and it was revealed in what he did. He, he did the minimum he could do, not the maximum he could do. Uh, the other game we're going to play, I'm going to shoot these out. No. If you've got a pen or a pencil, maybe fill these things in right here. Let me tell you what this story is about. I, I see three things, and I think there are three things that speak to breakthrough, that speak to God moving in our hearts. So the first one is just simply this. It's a story about faith. It really is, more than anything, it's a story about faith. Um, when this happened for me last weekend, the Lord, on Saturday, when I heard God say it, I didn't have time to process it. I only had time to react to it. So that when I heard it sitting over there, I didn't have a chance to ask. I didn't have a chance to run it by. I didn't have a chance to, to pray with other people. I knew that God was challenging me. I knew that God was asking me. Look, when I came here to start this church 21 years ago, I didn't come to bring the minimum. I didn't come to create something that gave me an income so that my family would be taken care of. I, came, I already had that where I was. I was already taken care of. What was being offered to me was more than I have here and more, more, more. It would have been more to me now there than it is to me right here now. But I didn't come because of what it provided for me, safety or for my family. I came to make it hard for people to go to hell from our area. 
I came because this church is used by God to be a forerunner, a pace setter, and a church that has allowed others to exist behind it. When we came here, we were the only non-denominational church. It was a church graveyard. And I remember God telling me, you'll be like a windshield if you're willing. I'll use you to go first. You'll take a little brunt, but in your wake will be other churches. Look what's happened in our area. Look what God has done. I, I, I find rejoice. And not only that, what we've been able to plant in the middle of it. When I got this, I hadn't had time to process it, but over Saturday night into Sunday, I had the Lord speak to me more about these things so that I could articulate it a little bit with the church. But on Tuesday, I gathered the staff together. I did sort of a, a, a pastor's um, an encouragement, a little teaching thing, a little like, uh, let me just share some, some wisdom with you and a little thing that God is doing in my heart right now. And I just asked them this question, what's the greatest leap of faith you've ever had to take? So I'm asking you right now. What's the greatest leap of faith you've ever had to take? And if you can't think of one, you are living the, you're not living the life that God wants you to live. You're not living that place of faith where, where your faith has to come together with God's word to create the, the miraculous. On the other side of obedience is the miraculous. And if you're never challenged to be obedient and to do the thing that goes beyond the minimum then you don't know what the miraculous is like. And so I'm not in your face and up in your business right now, but I am trying to challenge you. When's the last, what's the greatest leap of faith you've had to do? If you can't remember, it's been too long. You're atrophied in your faith muscle. And God needs to stretch it and he needs to speak to you. And don't be resistant and don't push back and don't say, I'm too old now, so am I. Don't say that was great if I was 20. I agree. But it's better when I'm 55 to be doing it. It means more now than it did then. Listen, when I started it at 34, there was much more time to recover from bold acts. Do you get what I'm saying? Now I have to be really careful, which leads me to a thought here real quick on this faith thing. You know, for the longest time, we did the most bold things in this church. I remember when we were trying to raise money, God had given us this piece of property right here in a miraculous way. We were in the storefront. Man, we were in five services. It was so crowded in about three or 4,000 square feet. You took your life in your hands if you wanted to put your kid in children's church. It was like to make your way back there, you couldn't, you went down the hallway. Like the, nobody didn't know each other at that time. It was, it was this miraculous thing. But to make the leap from a building, a storefront, into a building, takes you just don't have, God's got to do something. And in a supernatural way, we get this property. And in a supernatural way, we begin to save money to build this building. And in the middle of saving the money, I recognize we're not coming close to what it's going to take. And the Lord had me at the time, take part of the money you're saving and give it to somebody else trying to build a building right now. Because on your act of faith, I'll do something great for you. And I remember it was a missions organization in Mexico. And I wrote this check out of our fund that I'm trying to get everybody to give to. And now I'm going to give away the money. And I remember sending it to that guy. And they got their building built. And then the most, all of a sudden, it just opened up a thing. It made no sense. It made, and it, it, it was miraculous. On the other side of obedience is the miraculous. And to tell this story now, it was like, oh, that was, but it had been a while since I was challenged beyond something I could, I could do. Does that make sense? It was beyond something I could do. And so I find myself, man, in the middle of this thing, asking the question, what was the biggest leap of faith I've taken? Can I tell you this? The biggest leap of faith I've taken is about to come up in 15 minutes. Uh, you never, yeah, forget it, man. For, just forget it. How about this? What is God currently challenging your faith about? So if you can't think of something big that you've ever done that you had to believe God for or trust God for, then what is God speaking to you about right now? And again, if you can't think of anything, friend, look at me and let me pastor you for a minute. Don't resist me. Don't defend yourself. Don't push back from the table. Open your heart right now and hear, I'm not trying to get something from you. I'm trying to get breakthrough in your life. It doesn't happen with natural things. The supernatural takes the supernatural. 
The natural will not formulate the things you need to happen in your life. You've got to be willing to step into a place of faith with God. Now, the difference between faith and presumption is that God needs to say it. So if you're sitting here trying to think of something to do, that's not what I'm telling you. But if God could speak to you right now to do something supernatural, does he have your heart enough Will you'll do it? No, can I just be honest with you? While I'm hearing God say this, I'm actually arguing with him all the reasons why we shouldn't do that. <laughs> but I ultimately know the voice of God. And here, God doesn't like, hey, if you don't do this, I'm removing myself from you. I, there was no threat. There was no twisting. Here's just simply what it was. I knew the Lord said it to me, and then he just stood there waiting to see what I was going to do. Yep. What will you do with this? And like a king, I can do the reasonable. Here's my point. There's no point in doing it if I'm only going to win a fight here and there. I want to do it to win a battle, and therefore it requires me to be willing to go all the way. Does that make any sense? It's a story about faith. And when was the Last time you had to operate in faith. It's a story about passion. Jehoash revealed his heart by his action. I wrote this down. It's not in your notes. I didn't read this from somebody else. I was trying to put into a portable sentence what I felt like was the takeaway from this message. Listen to this real quick. It's important to see what God is looking for behind what he's asking for. Did you hear what I said one more time? It's important to realize what God is looking for behind what he's asking for. If all you hear is the thing, you're missing the point. He is looking to see where your heart is at in the thing. We think, okay, I'll just do that little thing. God doesn't want your little thing. He doesn't need your money and he doesn't need your time. He wants your heart. Did you just hear what I said? He wants your heart, and he wants all of your heart. And if you're going to do it, don't be half Joash. <laughs> Jack Dodge, I give you the credit for that one right there. Okay. That's great. Thank you. Jesus asks for our passion. Revelation chapter 2 is Jesus prophetically speaking to the church in the end times, and he prophesies to seven different kind of churches. And he prophesies in particular things about those churches. Remember, churches aren't buildings. They're not countries. They're people. And this is what Jesus says. I hold this against you. You have forsaken or lost the love you had when? Look at me real quick. When's the last time you had to go all out in passion for your love for Jesus? No, let me stir you right now. When's the last time you showed your passion? If that idea aggravates you, if you're like, I wasn't raised that way, I didn't ask you what denomination you came up in or whether you even had that. I'm asking you right now, what's your passion level for Jesus? What is it? Where is it? So I'll move it into a realm. Passion doesn't have to look like me, but it does have to have a heart like me. You don't have to be up here and sweat, but you do have to have a heart that's all consumed by him. If God asks you to do something, is it your own preservation that matters to you, or is it following Jesus that matters to you more than anything else? So what level do you surrender and say, I'm all in? What does it take for you to go, I want the whole thing? Your prayers are, God, have all of my family. Save them and speak to them. But what do you do to partner with him? Have your children ever seen you take a leap of faith? Do they believe you serve a God who's worthy of going all in for? Do they see you move from a point of just talking about things, or do they see action behind it? Because faith is not simply talking about what you believe. Show me your faith, and I'll show you my action behind my faith, is what James says. Faith without works is dead. It's dead. Works without faith are dead works. It's the power when both come together, 
kaboom, that happens in the spirit. So it's a story about faith and it's a story about passion. It reveals the curse of ambivalence that our generation lives with today. Because if you can sit in this message and I don't bother you right now, either I need to elicit passion or I need to bother you. But if you find yourself somewhere in between those two things, you're ambivalent. And be someplace in life where you're not ambivalent. Do I bother you now? I'm trying to. Paul said, I provoke you to go all in for Jesus. I'm trying to provoke a response right now. Don't reason it away. Don't, don't tell me about the advanced degrees and that you're past that place. You've graduated from it and you've matured beyond it. You've atrophied out of it. We've got to be passionate for him. We've got to go all in. And it's a curse to be ambivalent. Revelations 3.15 is another church that Jesus is speaking to in the last days. I know all the things you do. You're neither hot nor cold, and I wish that you were one or the other. When you are just in the middle, you are room temperature, and while you're here, you're not living. Hey, don't die before you're dead. And don't go away before God's done with you. And if you're like, well, I'd like to just get started. Okay, today's your day. When you're not hot or cold, you're simply room temperature. And here's what I know about room temperature. Look at me real quick and listen to me. When you're right in the middle, you're comfortable. And comfortable allows you to hear things and think you're okay. And I don't mean to be ugly to you, and I don't mean to just like shove. That's not where my heart is at. But I'm telling you for myself, I know what it's like to be in the middle. I know what it's like to find yourself in life being in the middle and playing it safe and not taking risks and thinking that it's all okay because you have it up here and God wants it right here. This story, last but not least, is about breakthrough. And I said it before, and I'll just say it one more time. The strategy of the enemy is to let you win a battle as long as you lose the war. I will not lose the war. I won't lose it. It's not enough to do one or two things. All right, so let me, let me get there. About three weeks ago, four weeks ago, somewhere in there, family in our church, they want to be anonymous. I'm going to be very careful how I tell the story, and I did ask permission to tell the story. A family in our church... Uh, came and said that the Lord had spoken to them about doing something significant as a gift for our church. And it was a significant gift, a significant, one of the bigger gifts given in a long period of time. And the people who gave it, I just thought to myself, I, I, how are they doing this? Because I know them, and I'm just, how can they do this? God has spoken to them about, it was audacious, it was bold, it was beyond the curl, Right? And I'm just like, in fact, here, I know them. So my first reaction in my head was to tell them, I, I don't want you to do that. You can't afford to do that. Well. Yeah, well. But I felt like the Lord said, let them do it. I'm doing something in their heart. All right. So they do it. I don't say anything to the church. We don't, we don't talk about it. It was just between. Last weekend, while Ethan's teaching, their son was sitting on the front row. And he's 17 years old. And I watch him, it's in the first service Sunday morning, I watch him put his head down while Ethan's teaching, and I knew God was doing with him what he had done with me. And I'm just watching to see what will he do with it right now. So listen to this story. 17 years old, he hears Ethan talking. Ethan didn't ask for anything I decided to do this. And God had been telling him before I got up to say anything, he has $1,600 saved up from all of his summer jobs and the Lord told him to give $1,000. That's a significant amount of money when all you got is $1,600 and you're not making money. And so he texted $1,000. And when he went home, his mom and dad said, hey, uh, what was going on with you? And he said, uh, I felt like the Lord told me to give $1,000 to help this church in Austin, Texas. And I didn't want you to talk me out of it, so I did it before you could stop me. (laughs) 
And if the mom and dad had said to me, give it back, I would have given it in a second, in a second. But they actually came in to tell me the story, and this is what, this is what they said to me. We have prayed and prayed because our children have never seen us do anything with faith and we have been praying and praying for them to be moved in a significant way towards the things of God. And when we did that, we had no idea this is what God would do. But their hearts are on fire for Jesus. You can't buy that. You can't look. You're praying and praying to win a fight. What you need to win is the battle. And if you come up short, what will you think on that day when you stand before God? What would you have given? What would you have prayed? What would you have done? How far would you have walked? What would you have taken off your back and given to the kingdom to see God do something great in our generation and with your family? What would you do? Standing there in front of God at that point, what would it be worth? And I'm not asking you for anything. But where is your heart? And can God talk to you? And can he challenge you? And will you go all in? Or will you just be, and you're done? An average offering for us is about $50,000. It's a significant amount of money. I have no idea what the Lord's going to do last week. You gave $80,000. Hold on. And we did not take up an offering for that church. Now I reasoned. Surely you can't have me give that much money. So I tell Todd, hey, give me an average. What if we take this out of it? But all week long, the Lord just kept telling me, you want to win a fight? Go ahead and do what you want to do. You want to win a battle and you need breakthrough? What are you going to do? So we're going to give $80,000 to a church in Austin, Texas that has no ties to us except for a kid that worked for us at one time. That's what we're going to do. And I, I hope that when you hear that, you don't think, oh, that's so foolish. Pastor, what are you doing? We do not have $80,000 to give away and throw around. And one of my board members, Gary, I owe you this publicly. He writes me a little text and he says it wasn't yours to lose in the first place. <laughs> Thank you for inspiring confidence in me because, because it's not just me that I worry about. I have to do it in front of everybody and I'll answer to God for what I did here and I know that. But I needed faith. I needed someone to say to me, I'm with you in this. Are you? And if you're ambivalent about what I'm saying in the nicest of terms and in the greatest of heart, find a church where you're not ambivalent then. Find a place where you can go all in. If you can't do it here and you can't do it with me and you can't go all in in this part of the kingdom, don't, don't be ambivalent any longer. And remove any excuse that's keeping, if it's me, if it's our building, if it's my audaciousness to do, then go someplace where you can be all in. But if you can't do it here, what's wrong, man? What's wrong? Because this is still a place that's willing to risk. We're not about self-preservation. I'm going to make one more statement, and then I'll close. And here's my statement. We have no right to exist in perpetuity. Only as we're willing to be used in the hands of God does this church have authority to be here. And if we can't be used by God anymore, if we turn into only taking care of ourselves... And only building monuments to men. Then God removed me as pastor. And let's hang a sign over the door that said 1998 to 2019. And let's give it to somebody who's going to do something with it. And it's bold. And I thought when I was going to teach it with everything that was in me. I even told my wife, I'm going to stand here so that no one will mistake what I'm trying. I'll just stand here and try to talk to people. <laughs> but I'm not a talker. I'm a doer. I came here this way. I've pastored here this way. And I want to leave here this way. I want to finish this way. I'm not finishing <laughs> Not, my best years are in front of me. We need breakthrough. 
Look at me. We need to be an audacious, bold, fire-breathing, all in, not tapping twice, but going six, seven, and the full-length church. We need to raise up generations of yes, young people. Fire. You want to yes. know what God is doing right? He's, yes. he's causing us to raise up young people yes. who are way different than we are. Yeah. They're different than how we worship, and they're passionate about it. And I hope it's bothering you a little bit. Because <laughs> I don't want you to surrender or gossip. Or I want you to, I'm just praying, dive in. Dive in. Yes. Let's go all in. Do not surrender this place before we're done. And let's not consider what's best for us, what's best for the kingdom of God. And I've got nothing else to ask you for, but what is God saying to you? And what will you do with this message? As we just worship right now and close, I, I guess it's just to pray. I guess it's just to say to you, be bold. And do not hold back. And if there is a battle you need to win, do not be okay winning a fight or two. What is God saying to you in this? So I just know I had gotten to the point where it was okay to win a battle or two, but not to risk to win a war. And Bob, I came to win the war. I came to kick the devil in the teeth. Yeah, yeah. Let's pick a fight. Because God is on our side. He's on our side. So Jesus, however and whatever and why ever, right now, Holy Spirit, just fall fresh on us and speak to us and have all of us. Can this be your prayer? Have all of me. Can you say that right now? with some kind of confidence. God, you can have all of me. Does it cause you to hedge a little bit or to think, well, you're a pastor. You're supposed to be that way. I'm a human. And I wrestle and struggle and feel the same pressure that you do and maybe more so because I do it for so many. And that's why it becomes even more critical to tell God you can have all of it. I'm not reserving anything for me. Whatever you give me is okay, but it all belongs to you. Abraham was considered a righteous man, not because in his head he was willing to sacrifice what God had given him and his son. He acted on it, and he got the miraculous out of it. And I'll just ask you one more time, what battle do you need to win? Is it a marriage? Is it your children? Is it your friends? Is it your health? Is it your spiritual life? Maybe you have bigger ideas. Maybe it's something in our community or a dream or a vision that God has given you. Maybe it's time to come alive to a dream and a vision that you surrendered a long time ago. I believe this is a word from the Lord right now. I think that he's saying to somebody... What dream and vision have you surrendered a long time ago? What battle do you need to win? What are you willing to do to win it? If we're easily satisfied, that's too bad. Because God's got so much more for us. God, wake us up. Stir us up. Breathe on us again. Breathe on us again. God, give me people who will stir themselves up to take a hold of the Lord. Give me a church who's willing to stir themselves up, God, to take hold of the Lord. Lord, bring to us a generation of Joshua and Caleb's who still believe it can be done, who have a different spirit about them, who will not surrender to the culture, the world, the current, the temperature, but who run hot, fiery still, and who believe great things of God in this day and age. That it's not some bygone era or some immature idea, but that God is still God, 
And his eyes run to and fro on this earth looking for people who will be strong on his behalf. Are you in here? Are you in here? He looks for people who will be strong on his behalf. God, find it here. Find it in me. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit. And have all of me. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. You have anything? Yeah? We didn't talk about this. Yeah. He asked me, you got anything for the end? I said, I don't have a clue what's going to happen. So. Well, so we've kind of set up for this time afterward. I said this a couple weeks ago, but just to have a space where you can worship or you can sit. But we just want this to be a place where you can respond right away. God said that to me. This is the next step is just to jump in right away. And I had a song planned because I knew this message was about faith and what was going on. But then Pastor Chris actually called me this week. She was like, this song, I was just listening to this song and I had sung it actually, the chorus of it God had given to me to sing over our staff like two months ago, believing for breakthrough, believing in faith for the things that he's doing here and now. And so I'm gonna sing this song out, just me, and you are free to do what you wanna do, but I would just encourage you however you do it, whether you sing or not, to speak to Jesus from the depths of your heart, like I said before. That's just been like shaking me up today that we don't respond just out of like, all right, God, like what do you wanna do? But really just move on it right now with him because he has so much in this room for every person. So I'm gonna sing the chorus first so that you know it and we'll come back around if you wanna get up and sing. Your presence is an open door we want you lord like never before your presence is an open door so come now lord like never before Your presence is an open door. We want you, Lord, like never before. Your presence is an open door. So come now, Lord like never before i give you glory for all you've brought me through and now i'm ready for whatever you want to do i'm moving forward to follow after you And now I'm ready for whatever you want to do. Come on, your presence. Your presence is an open door. We want you, Lord, like never before. Your presence is an open door so come now lord like never before in every season your grace has been enough and i'm believing oh the best is yet to come the cross before me my hope on things above and in you jesus the best is yet to come let's sing that again cross before me my hope on things above and in you jesus oh the best is yet to come Sing your presence. Your presence 
is an open door. We want you, Lord, like never before. Your presence is an open door. So come now, Lord, like never before. Jesus, I pray as we lift this next part up that faith would rise in every heart, that you would stir us, God, like Pastor John just talked about, not to be satisfied, to be lukewarm on what you're doing, Lord, but I pray right now that you would blow the doors open in this place with your presence, that we would seek breakthrough because you're the God of breakthrough, and that you would move in this room in power right now to sweep through people in this place that are prepared to do the things that you wanna do. And I know a breakthrough is coming by faith. I see a miracle. My God made me a promise and it won't stop now. Come on. And I know a breakthrough is coming by faith. I see a miracle. My God made me a promise and it won't stop now. Tell him. And I know breakthrough is coming by faith. I see a miracle. My God made me a promise and it won't stop now. One more time. And I know a breakthrough is coming by faith. I see a miracle. My God made me a promise and it won't stop now. Your presence is an open door. We want you, Lord, like never before. Your presence is an open door. So come now, Lord like never before. Jesus, I just pray in every situation that you're stirring right now, Lord, that we would put our faith to the place that you are a God that's going to do it in a way that only you can get the glory for. That you're a God that shows up in the way that you're gonna make it more than we even can ask or imagine. But we put our faith in front of us right now knowing that you've already set the path ahead of us. Help us to take the steps forward to do the things that you're asking and you're calling because it's all yours anyway, Jesus. I thank you for this room of people, God. I pray that the words of this message, the words of this song, Lord, would resonate in the hearts of all of us as we leave here. Looking for more, aware of more, and knowing that you're going to do the more that you already wanna do. We love you, Jesus, with all that we have, and we give this time to you in your name. Amen.